Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here and this week on the podcast I'm joined by Andy Brown to talk about his Kickstarter project Swatchos along with advice so you can do a project like that yourself. But before we dive into that I want to give a shout out to Logo Package Express which is an extension for Adobe Illustrator that allows you to create a comprehensive kit of logo files in minutes. Before I use this tool, creating all the logo variations would take me around an hour, sometimes longer. Uh, but with Logo Package Express, it takes me minutes and it removes room for error too. I think for any logo designer, it's an absolute must-have tool. So do go and check it out and you can find it by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash extension and if you use the promo code LOGOGEEK, you'll also get 20% off. For transparency, there is an affiliate link. So if you purchase the product via that link, you'll be helping to support the Logo Geek podcast at no extra cost to you. So again, to find that and support the Logo Geek podcast in the process, go to logogeek.uk forward slash extension, making sure to use that promo code LOGOGEEK so that you get an extra 20% off. So on this podcast, we mostly talk about logos and branding. But as I know, most people that listen to this are designers. Today, I want to share a product with you that I hope will inspire you to think of ideas of your own. When we create logos and brands, we're basically trading time for money. Uh, but in order to have a long-term sustainable business, ideally you want to also build up multiple revenue streams. One of those could be things like the sale of fonts and stock images, but with the skills we have as designers, we can also design products too. One example is Swatchos, which is a deck of cards designed by this week's guest, Andy Brown, to play and work with colour. 10 years ago, you would need to design, build and market the product, uh, which would take time and money. And you'd have no guarantee of selling any products at all. But now we have crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, where you pitch your product, people support it. And if you hit your goal, you'll then proceed to develop the product and you've actually got the funds to make the product a reality and there's people that you will already be sending out to. So you're basically selling it before you've actually even uh, made it a real thing. And that's how Andy has made his Swatchos product a reality. I found out about his project as it was shared in the Logo Geek community a few weeks back. And I actually immediately supported the project. Uh, I thought it was a, a fantastic product that I would use a lot myself. And I figured that other Logo Geeks might also be interested in this too. So I invited Andy on the show to uh, discuss his project. And since he had a successful launch, uh, he basically funded the project within like 24 hours. 
I thought it would be a good opportunity to learn a few lessons for how you can create your own Kickstarter project too. At the time of releasing this episode, there's still actually a couple of days left on Andy's Kickstarter campaign. So if you want to go and check that out and fund it yourself and and get the product uh, too, head to the show notes for this episode, which you can find by heading to logageek.uk forward slash 102. So to discuss Swatcho's Kickstarter advice on color selection and more, here is the interview with Andy Brown. I originally found out about you through the Kickstarter product, uh, Swatches, uh, which is something that you're currently working on right at this moment. Could you tell us a little bit more about this project? Sure. Um, so Swatchos is how I say it. I I am I aware. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but I'm aware that I picked a name that maybe not everyone knows how to say. But um, <laughs> uh, but Swatchos, um, they are a pack of 129 cards, um, and each card is a different color. Um, and they're designed to be used for picking single colors or because all the cards are loose, um, you can kind of mix and match them to create a color scheme. So that's that's the kind of essence of the project. I mean, the, the project came about because I was looking for a, a better way to work with colors and I, I couldn't find one. And so I, I ultimately made the pro- product for myself. Um, the fact that it's it's got backed and and things is is great, but it, it was very much I wanted this product, so <laughs> so, uh, so I'm super happy that other people uh, were interested as well. Yeah, yeah, I I know um, I'm always picking colors, and that's why I thought it'd be great to to get you on uh, this show because it's uh, I quite rarely now support or or back Kickstarter projects, but this one a friend uh, shared it with me, and I thought this is fantastic. The audience would love this, but also uh, there's the side of it where there's people in the audience that are graphic designers like you are yep. that come across these problems, and we're actually in this amazing situation where we have the knowledge and skills to actually create our own product. So through this conversation, I'd like to find a little bit more about you, uh, color theory, and also maybe get some advice from you for how someone can potentially do something of their own if they see um, that need like you. So you've explained why you uh, create this but do you want to talk about how you actually use these cards to yeah. uh, select a, a color palette yeah so uh, i guess there's two things that they aim to do you can either use them just as uh, like a color chart where you just want to pick a single color and you know um for print what that value is so that's that's one way um but really the heart of what they're about is choosing multiple colors to all go together so I use them probably most because I have some pre-production ones already made. So I use them mostly for uh, branding projects. So mm-hmm. where I want to present the client with a few different logos and color schemes to go along with those, that's where I find it most useful. And normally I'm just, I, I kind of... I might have a feeling of what I'm trying to achieve, but because they're all so kind of loose and you're working with your hands, 
it's it's very organic so I just kind of I just flick through them and go I kind of like that one and then I'll put a card next to it and go oh that works nicely and and then it kind of develops from there so it's very there's not actually when I'm picking colors like that there's not a lot of theory that's going into it I'm just kind of winging it but because it's fast um it's easy to play around with colors quickly and go no that doesn't work try that and they're also designed in a way so the front color there's a main front color and then on the back there are other colors but along the left hand edge there is a darker version of the front and then on the right hand edge is a lighter version of the front so you can when you fan them out like you would a, like a, a hand in a, in, in a poker game or something mm-hmm. um, then you can see that kind of edge color so um, they're, they're, they're designed I mean I've been fiddling around with samples and, and things for ages trying to get the right um, design for it so that it could be as quick as I wanted it to be because I, I think once when you get a tool that helps you be really fast it kind of melts away and you can just very organically start mucking about with them so that's that's how I use them I've used them for other projects as well like uh I've used them for brochure projects um for just picking a color scheme to go throughout the whole brochure um things like that so but that but the the cards have uh cmyk values but they also have uh, RGB hex codes on them as well. So you can use them for web projects and screen projects as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting amongst that. I know it, they, the actual product doesn't come out until uh, next year, but how yeah. I currently uh, pick colors is on my screen and uh, it, it's not the most... Um, hands-on kind of way of doing it and even though I've got the Pantone swatch books I find them really awkward to use sometimes finding them out the pages get stuck together and trying to find the right color is uh, sometimes difficult but I love the idea of this I've uh, in my office I've thankfully got a nice uh, floor space so I can imagine me whilst I'm working on a project now like opening up this pack of cards and almost throwing them on the floor and thinking oh that's cool and maybe there will be happy accidents and things that um, uh, come across that I wouldn't expect and yeah. I mean that that's something that I do a lot with uh sketching I, I see a lot of people you know just jumping straight into illustrator but I like sketching because yeah, you do get those happy accidents and those unexpected little twists and features and things that you wouldn't have yeah. uh, thought of until you put it down and I think the this approach to choosing color will be um the uh same way so i think it'd be a lot more fun yeah. and uh more creative to actually choose colors with these uh new cards that you've created yeah and and pantone books and things like that they totally have their place there's not really a replacement for those no it's not um, no not at all but but absolutely i've been trying to use my pantone book like this where i've like folded up pages so i can get the colors next to each other um and see how they look together but ultimately, they're on different pages, and they're ones at the top and ones at the bottom. And it's it's it for creating a group of colors. They're not they're not great at that. Um, and so yeah, so that's that's how it came about. <laughs> and plus, they're quite expensive. They're, you don't really want to be folding them and cutting them up and pulling them apart. Do yeah. you? <laughs> my, my Pantone book is wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay. So I, I think um, there's going to be people listening to this that obviously don't have these cards already. Yeah. And I know that they can go and check out the product on Kickstarter, which I'll link to. If you're listening to this right now, when this is released, uh, the product should still be on Kickstarter. So you can still back it. And hopefully, you know, if you're listening in the future, you will have some kind of version on your yep. website and yep. so on. But I think for those that are listening now, yep. that maybe want to start choosing color in an interesting way how would you do it without these uh tools like so how would you like say if you did have a branding project just so that we can add some value to this so we're not just like pitching Uh, a product to people absolutely how would you go about choosing a, a a color palette without this um tool that you created yeah so firstly what i would say is that uh i'm not a color expert and that's why and that's why i i made this um but what i would say is that i think it's really important to find a way to choose colors quickly the 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 box of swatches is not for everybody because i've i've sent samples out and people were just like no i do it on screen and and that's totally fine because they're fast at that um and so i think as long as you've got a tool where you can quickly create colors then i think um that's okay so whether that's an illustrator kind of creating blocks of of colors and just getting a big kind of uh, swatch panel open where you can quickly click and mess around now there are theories in color obviously but what i find is that when i can experiment that's when i find the things that i really love um and probably I have lucked out on on a method that theory would show. But really, I'm just kind of, I'm winging it. And I think as long as you find a way to do that quickly, um, that's okay. So it might be, I mean, another thing that I've started doing since I worked on this project was I started uh, painting. And so I've bought... Um, like tubes and tubes of acrylic mm-hmm. paints and i i try and create um a few small paintings each week now and because i want to learn about color um and so just experimenting with them and paints are great because they're just they're, they're easy like you can you can kind of quickly just knock something up and um, and and go with it so i i think even even that like buying some tubes of paint you can buy like if you wanted to you can buy like cyan magenta and yellow and just experiment with those and black obviously as well so you could you could do that and just go oh what's this like and what how does this work and um and so i think that's really helpful what i've also done and and found really helpful is i started listening to the learn to paint podcast um and i found that great because i kind of think that artists and painters in particular probably are kind of like the real masters of color they're they're in it every day like all the time and and as a designer you're using colors a lot but i i kind of feel like they're even more involved in color and so i found just hearing different artists talk about color has been super helpful and i've tried to like explore some of that when i've been painting to go oh how does that work and 
oh yeah i see when i mix those two that that creates a, a less vibrant color or or a more vibrant color and and so that's that's what that's my journey i guess in color um and like i say i am by no means an expert but what i do think is really important is to be able to experiment in whatever way you find the most natural and and so that you can experiment rapidly um and then you just you learn quicker mm-hmm. you know it's it's really interesting what you say about um looking at more traditional fine art for uh, working out color and learning about color because actually it's something I, I don't really think about like I, I use the the tools within uh, Photoshop and Illustrator and I I can create the exact color that I want yeah but actually in order to do that you need to have an understanding of what colors do you need to add to this like how much more magenta do you need to add how much more yellow do you need to add you do need to have an understanding of that in order to create uh the exact color that you're potentially uh looking for so gaining that understanding from uh painting yeah and obviously you know artists (laughs) i don't you know what i (laughs) funny story i i got quite into model making at one point and you know sculpting out a clay using like super sculpy and baking it and stuff like that i am rubbish at painting and i have full respect for anyone that can actually mix up the exact color that they want with um you know the like four pots of paints it's absolutely it's it's an absolute skill so i appreciate what you're saying about uh real fine artists are really mastering that skill of color selection (laughs) yeah no absolutely they do but at this and also um like like i do sometimes i like i'll do these paintings with my kids as well and my like my kids knock out amazing colors sometimes and i'm like how can you just do that like it's it's they just have a um sometimes they just they have a knack for seeing it and not overthinking it and they just they just love the color so they stick it in there and and it and it works really well um and and certainly like looking at i mean i guess one of the most famous people for working purely kind of on color is rothko mark rothko and so i've been kind of looking at some of his paintings where they're really abstract very minimal but the colors are fantastic um and he's exploring different things so i I like his paintings as well and they kind of inspire me a bit um Mm -hmm. too but yes certainly kind of looking at the painters and more traditional artists i think is is a great place to to get inspiration i think sometimes i'm a little reluctant to look at um recommended like almost like top 10 color schemes um I th- I don't know whether that's just because I'm a bit contrary or whether it's it's because I feel like it's cheating. I don't know, but I I want to kind of explore it and understand it rather than just maybe taking one. I mean, at the same time, there's 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 good in that of replicating something that works really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's good too. Yeah, sometimes uh, how I um select a color palette, uh, particularly for something like a, a logo design, it, it tends to be based on the general aesthetic I want to try and get across. Um, so I'm working on a project at the moment that's all about conservation. Yep. So how I selected that is 
I actually Googled some pictures of like landscapes yeah. and, you know, with like hills, water, uh, sky and stuff like that. And I, I picked the colors from that and it created this really nice kind of quite earthy, organic, natural yeah. um, uh, palette. And it just gives you this immediate like feeling of yeah um the real natural landscape and um i i really think well there's no set way of creating color palettes but there's there's ways like that you know finding images and then uh using the the picker tool in photoshop just to pick out uh, a few colors from that image uh there's a lot of tools out there like cooler.co i think that's that's the one that one's really good so you can just generate uh colors but i don't have anything like real or manual or anything like that is all on my computer and to be honest i spend almost all my day like my my waking day on a screen whether that be my mobile phone or my uh desktop so things like sketchbook work i i do that intentionally to get away from the computer and you know being able to to select a color palette in this way i'm really excited about and um i don't know if anyone's ever done anything like this before but i am uh quite excited about having these cards so i I did just want to ask one last question so in terms of the accuracy of the cards yeah i've spoken uh, so I, I did an interview a few months back with a guy from Pantone and we spoke about like screen calibration and all that sort of fancy stuff. So people yeah. that really want to learn about, you know, proper color accuracy, they can go back to that episode. Um, but these cards, um, obviously Pantone books, if you have a new book and you look after it, like keep it in um, a dark place, they remain really accurate. But in terms of these cards, yeah. how accurate are the uh printed colors on them yeah so the 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 colors on them are i mean they're aimed to be as accurate as is possible and i've done that in a few ways firstly kind of using the correct color profiles um and and communicating that with the printers so that when you're designing something and and saying this is what this color is that gets translated correctly all the way to the printers and so that you're talking about the same color but then also just using um a great printers as well so the uh the guys who are going to be printing this are the same guys who printed one of my uh print handbooks um in the past one of uh those editions and they are they're not the most affordable of printers but their quality is unbelievable um and so that was really important to me that the color um, is as accurate as is possible so working with them was kind of really key to that as well um, and and things do vary and that's the same with Pantone books if you print on a on a glossy paper the same ink as as like a uncoated paper so a rougher paper then both of those will look different so so understanding what the paper is as well is is a is an aspect to that so that'll be communicated as well so knowing okay this is printed on a silk so if i print the same colors on a silk it's going to look like that then then that's uh then that's great in terms of kind of when those colors go from the card to your screen there's a bigger jump there so the accuracy won't be as close but it's pretty close um so it i would say that if i'm 
doing a, a screen project that I'd use the swatches to create a color scheme, transfer them, and then I'd go, maybe it needs a slight bit of tweaking once I, once it's on my screen. And that, that's how I've used them. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, um, everyone's uh, monitors are going to be different anyway. Yeah. Uh, the only way that you can really control that is by properly uh, calibrating it anyway. So why I, I, I like to choose the colors via my Pantone books, but actually, you know, because you've taken the extra effort to get these uh, 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 printed on high quality materials, yep. again, providing I keep them, you know, in a dark place to make sure they don't recolor too much. It should be a nice way to more accurately uh, choose a, a potential yeah. color scheme that I can then, you know, because uh, you, you mentioned that it's got the color values on the card as well. I can yeah. then pull that into Illustrator and have a better idea of how yeah. that will actually look when it's printed as well. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. So we've spoken about the product and like I said, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes for anyone that wants to go and check that out. But I think there's going to be people listening to this that are probably thinking, I've got an idea. I want to fix that. I want to create a product on my own. I want to launch it on Kickstarter. So I would love to go into a little bit about how you created the product, how you launched it on uh, Kickstarter as well. So yeah. could you share some behind the scenes kind of development work for how you actually went about creating uh, this product? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I mean, on this particular product, I... I think as designers, we love creating things. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of in our blood. And so I'm always trying to fix things and make something. So I think once I realized oh, this, the way I'm choosing colors isn't working how I want it to, then I was like, I, I want to create something that fixes that problem. And so I started just scribbling ideas, probably in between my other projects, just as I had thoughts. And then that progressed into Illustrator and I'd start mocking up card designs and printing them off and going, holding them in my hands and going, would this be helpful? Like, I, I don't know. So that, that kind of process and, and that's a very enjoyable process, making something and critiquing yourself and, and going mm -hmm. kind of round in circles. Um, and then I got to a point where I thought, like, I think this is a good idea. Like, I think this is not an idea just for me. I think other people might find this helpful as well. So then I um, I started uh, thinking about Kickstarter. Now, Kickstarter has been in the back of my mind for a while in terms of doing a project. Because I have um, a group of customers already through the print handbook, then being able to kind of communicate with them and and uh, let them know that I've got a Kickstarter going was it was it made sense for for me to do that I mean it's also really low risk because if you if people don't like the project don't like the product and you don't get funded then that's you like you don't have to take it any further and that's fine yes you have to create all the content and material and videos and all of that but really for me that wasn't a huge hassle um so 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 that's how i kind of got started in it in terms of kind of actually creating uh, the campaign 
I just signed because this was my first Kickstarter and I just I created a campaign and and went through it step by step. I it guides you very clearly through. So I I I just went through all the details and just started filling up spaces. And at that point, I think I wasn't even sure I was going to do it. But I was like, I'm just going to put it in and see what it ends up looking like. Um and and see if I think I I can do this. And I just did a little bit of that each time and uh yeah, and and got there in the end and uh people seem to like it. Mm-hmm. For anyone that might not know what Kickstarter is, yeah. uh would you mind briefly explaining kind of how how that platform works so yeah. that people are aware like yeah. it's, I, I think the thing i want to make clear it's not a shop <laughs> no it's not so it's a crowdfunding platform there are others out there as well but um but ultimately um when you you launch a campaign so in mine i think it ran for 28 days or something or is running for 28 days and people i i have a limit of four and a half thousand pounds because it costs a lot of money to print them mm-hmm. um, because they get imprinted at such high quality um and so i say okay i need to make that much and then people chip in and say i'm willing to back your project and if it reaches that goal then i'll i'll buy some and so ultimately people are kind of slowly building on that um person by person and uh, you once you get to that four and a half thousand or whatever it might be, then you are required to carry out the project and get those things printed and send them to the customers who said they want them. Um, I don't know if that's the most succinct way of explaining it, but no, no, that's uh, that's fantastic. I mean, it's just so that people will understand that uh, Kickstarter is basically a platform where you can. Um, uh, create projects that don't yet exist and people can fund yeah. them um a lot of people make the mistake that it's a shop yeah. and they expect to have the product but actually no you're just funding them to help make that thing exist there's no guarantee on quality but it sounds like you know you're genuinely working hard to create a um a, a really decent uh, product I, I think the amount of money that you're aiming to uh, get is is a fair reasonable amount like you only really need a handful of uh, people to come in and, yeah. and chip in to to make it a thing so I think the way that you've done it is is good I mean in terms of the actual product I know when you when you create something for Kickstarter the, the product doesn't really need to exist you just need to uh, kind of sell a vision and show people what it could potentially be yeah how much of the product did you have to develop in order to um, post up that campaign on uh, Kickstarter. Well, I mean, I uh, I think it depends on the on the project. So some things, like some Kickstarter campaigns, it might just be like a three D render of something. So it's not been physically made. Right. I did um, get the the cards printed. I got them right. printed um, using a digital printers. So the quality is less. Um, and the robustness is less, um, but ultimately they work the same. Because I think I'd, um, I'd, I'd, 
I mean, I had kind of printed the odd card out here and there just on my printer here, but printing out that many cards was was a bit of a nightmare. And so, I, and and printing something using a digital printers was fairly low cost just to, as an experiment. So I so I got just a few printed. It also meant that I could send some to other designers or artists or interior designers and see what they thought as well. Um, so I did get them done and it helped me go, do you know what, when I get the final one done, I'm going to tweak this and I'm going to tweak that. Um, so yeah, so that's what I did, but not everybody does do that. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you actually designed it all, yeah. uh, created everything, uh, used a little bit of money to get real uh, right, samples yeah. made up and I, I like what you did uh, reaching out to uh, potential people for uh, feedback do you mind going into that a little bit more because I think that's quite an, uh, an important thing with any product that you don't just make what you want it's good to get feedback from others so could you share a little bit about that as well yeah so I sent um, a, a bunch of these packs of cards out to different people and then I I asked, I created a questionnaire uh, just on Google Forms, I think, and asked people to to take a look at that when they got the chance, once they'd played around with the cards for a bit. Um, and, it w- and I asked them questions, just what their first impression was, would they find it helpful in their sort of work, but also if these were for sale, how much do you think they should be, and things like that. And that, and that was super helpful. And some people were like, oh, that's great. I really love that. Um, and other people were just like, no, I don't imagine I'll I'll use those. And and that was designers too. And I, it made me realize are people, just, and I know this is obvious, but people work in different ways and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think you have to, so I think the, putting out good questions um, and understanding um that not everyone's going to like it and that's totally fine and also um to take try and understand who they are in relation to you so if they if they're your best mate then they're going to they're going to give you the most positive feedback um and so like just try and understand that because i think there's like one layer of understanding their answers and then there's like a second layer of going okay so why are they saying that are they are they saying this to to encourage me or is this like what they think in in this area or whatever so i what i'm saying really is don't just read the answers as they are have a real proper think about what they're saying um, because there's sometimes another layer under what they're saying Mm-hmm. And was there any of the the feedback that really helped to make a difference with the uh, product? I think um, where um, it probably helped was um, probably in the pricing was probably the most helpful. I think because I'm a bit tight. I <laughs> I think people were I think valuing the product higher than I thought they would. Um, right. which was really positive. Um, but I think, um, and but at the same time, it varied depending on, on what sort of work they did. So whether, if they were really familiar with Pantone swatch books, they understood the value 
of having a good mm -hmm. selection of colors. Whereas people who are outside of that world didn't, didn't value it so much. And that's, that's totally fine. But I think that helped, um, understand, help me understand the value in that. Um, and also one bit of feedback that I received, I think this was actually just before I got them printed was, um, to number the cards. And I know that might sound really obvious, but I was quite keen for them almost to not be numbered. So you could jumble them up and not worry about it. But this person said, I, I really want to keep them in a nice order. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And so they're all numbered now. And so once you've spread them out on your desk and chosen cards, you can put them back together in the same order. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't envy anyone with OCD. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it'd be nice to, I, I think I think it's a good bit of feedback though, because you might want to fan out the colors. Like with the with yeah. the Pantone swatch books, they are, you they're know, they're, yeah. there's the, they're, they're, they're stuck together yeah. and you can fan them out and they are in some logical order. So if you want like a blue and you want a lighter blue or a darker blue, you know that you need to fan one way or the other. And yeah. um, I know you can put them in some kind of order just by looking at the um, the, the front of the color, but actually having a, a number on there is actually something that makes a lot of sense. So I yeah. think that was a good call to add that on there. And, and, and that probably, that was another bit of feedback because when I got them printed, because they were all on screen, they were never all together because they were all in InDesign that you and I was scrolling through them to look at them all. And there was some logic to the order of the cards. But then when I received them back from the printers, I was like, I haven't even done them by groups of color. So the blues weren't together. There was like right. light blues and then there was kind of in one group and then there were like mid-tone blues in another group and then dark blue somewhere else and I was like that I only realized that once I held them in my hands I was like that was just so stupid <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense at all um and so that was a very and and I asked people about that and they were like yeah absolutely it needs to be in that order um and so that that's that was a helpful thing as well realizing yeah 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 and, and that's something you only figure out when it's in your hand or at least I did um yeah so yeah Cool. So in terms of your goal, you hit your goal in two days, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> it I was think very, it, you very quickly hit your goal. Yeah. I think it was actually, I think it was just in 24 hours actually. So it was. Wow. 24 hours. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I mean, I haven't checked it today, but I checked it yesterday and you pretty much doubled your goal already. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you're not even halfway through the campaign at the point of recording this, uh, interview. So, um, I, I wish you every success Thank kind of you. raising uh, more funds and everything. It's uh, I think it's amazing what you've done already. And, um, you know, this this uh, little thing that you this idea that you came up with is now actually going to be a, a real thing that can yeah. um, uh, people can find. So so you were able to do that in 24 hours, which is incredibly successful. And you kind of mentioned earlier in this uh, conversation that you reached out to people that had uh, purchased a, a product that you've already released. And we can talk about that later in the conversation as well. Yeah. But what else did you do to have that level of success so quickly? I think, um, I mean, I'd, I'd done quite a lot of research um, beforehand. So things like what 
what prices are popular, what sort of rewards are popular. Um, and so a lot of reading of advice and looking at other people's pro projects and going, how's, how's that worked? How's that ordered on the page? Um, and, and just thinking that all through, I think ultimately you need a decent product. And I think, um, I th and I think it helps that it's bright and colorful. <laughs> it looks nice in photos. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> that helps as well. Um, but I think ultimately having um, a pile of previous customers really helps. That helps it to get started. Um, and and also it, it got started very quickly with early bird offers and things like that. So there's a, a discount on the first, I think it was 50 orders. And so that helps it get a, a good start. And then people look at it and go, oh, that's already back to this amount oh, that, that seems like that's going to get funded. I'm happy to kind of chip in as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my that was my method. And, and I prepped a lot, so I pre-wrote uh, email newsletters or like email campaigns um, and all my social media and queued it up in Buffer. And so there was a lot of things that I'd already done ready to just go. And uh, yeah, so I prepared as much as I could and, and probably I could have done a better job, but I did, I, I did what I could manage and, um, and, and went for it and it's, and it seemed to go okay. Yeah. And, and you need to remember that you're one person, you're not a whole team yeah. and I'm sure you, uh, you've got other stuff on the go and life and yeah. all this sort of stuff. So I think what you did initially uh, was amazing and it's easily uh, rep, rep, someone can someone can replicate that. Yeah. Um, how I found about it, I don't know if you know Cole Gray, yeah. based up in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cole shared it in the Logo Geek community, and he shared it in the Resourceful Designer community, and I think that's probably helped with um, a few of those sales as well, because you know uh, graphic designers need it, and I noticed immediately. Um, I mean, firstly, great images that yeah. obviously makes a big difference, but it's actually a helpful product. Yeah. You know, I, I looked at it and I thought, like I said, you know, that's pretty cool. I can actually just play around with colors. I can, I can sit down on the floor and, yeah. uh, pick colors out. And like, if my, uh, little daughter wants to come over and, uh, help yeah. me with it, you know, she's, she's welcome to, you know, it just seems quite a fun way yeah. of creating a color palette and it's even though it seems like such an obvious idea yeah you know just cards with colors on there i i don't have anything like that in my no. toolkit and it's a reasonable price it's a nice idea and you know i just thought it was very much an impulse buy i, I saw it and thought that's cool i'll buy that yeah um so Definitely. i can imagine that other people thought this, thought exactly the same way yeah yeah no that's good okay so once the project is funded i know we're a few weeks away uh yeah i know we're, we're recording this probably about two weeks before we actually release this uh publicly so yeah. there should still be a few weeks left of the actual campaign yeah. but once you've got it funded which you will you know you've already like doubled that and yeah. i think you'll probably double that again um by the time the uh campaign closes yeah what happens next so then i mean so i have a bit of a schedule kind of planned and, and communicating that to people is 
is really important so they know what to expect next so my my plan is i, I mean i've re- even at the moment i've received a few questions about what's what's the plan with this what sort of right. material are you printing on and things like that and so taking all of that into consideration um and so my first step is going to be updating the design so and and potentially that will start sooner than the end of the campaign but mm-hmm. but updating it to to kind of incorporate the thoughts of other people um mm-hmm. that will be my my first step and and through all of that i'll be keeping in touch with backers so they know where things are up to um but a, a lot of the legwork is already done for that and then it's um like it's checking it over i mean check it <laughs> checking the colors as you can imagine is quite it's quite a pain yeah <laughs> but um but is obviously a very Im- important process of making sure all the colors are actually what it says um so i check it multiple times mm-hmm. um to make sure everything's correct in different methods to check it as well so just to make it sure it's 100% right um and then it'll go off to the printers and then probably a few weeks later it'll come back box them all up and uh, send them out to backers so you're doing that all on your own yes yeah that's gonna be a lot of work <laughs> it, it is i mean i i mean we're fed like my, me and my wife we kind of manage the the posting out of products i sell now so it yeah. helps having that all up and running already so knowing the systems and knowing how things get sent um really helps yeah Um, so that's not another thing to learn because there's a lot of learning involved in in doing a kickstarter project um but that bit i'm okay with so yeah so once but yes it is going to be a few days i would imagine packing boxes and yeah but i think it would be i think it'd be worth it it'd be exciting and you can at least schedule in the time now yeah. because you you have an idea of well for, for starters you know that it's definitely going to happen so you yeah. can um yeah. plan well ahead yeah i mean yeah and i quite um it's quite nice doing jobs like that because i think as designers you're using your brain you're using your brain so much all the time and sometimes like packing up boxes is i just love it because yeah. it just gives my brain a bit of a, a break <laughs> and I just get to do something whilst listening to a podcast or something. So it's, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's quite a nice job every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. And I take it you've needed to order up like a whole load or you will need to order up like a whole load of boxes yeah. and print out loads of labels and all that sort of stuff all as well. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. Turning it into a real business and people, I assume, I'm making assumptions here, but I assume after the campaign is closed, you'll continue to be selling these through some kind of website. Yes. In the same way that you are your uh, booklets you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you'll be able to go onto swatchshows.com and uh, pick them up there as well once everything's finished. Um, Very nice. Yeah. And, and, and one thing, this is another thing that we're kind of, I think Kickstarter works really well, is I've found that, people are um they give good feedback and they've they're they want you to succeed as well because they see like a project they're really keen on and so they want you to succeed and are happy to give um feedback on things so for example someone got in touch and said 
if I like lose a card, will I be able to get a replacement? And I, I was like, I'd not even thought about that, but that's really easy for me to set up my end. And so I was like, yeah, that's not a problem. And um, also thinking that through, I was like, well, that also means you could send like a client, um, like a selection of cards. Oh, like a sample. Yeah, and you could say, look, this is what we're thinking for your project. Send them to the client if you're working remotely. And they can see the selection you've chosen and they can go, yeah, well, that's good. Um, could we make that a bit darker or whatever? Um, and so that that might be something I add as well. Certainly you'll be able to get replacement cards and things, yeah. Yeah, it's even it's even more of a reason to have them numbered, isn't it? Yeah. So that you yeah. can go on. I mean, you, you should probably do something like order up one card, order up 10 cards <laughs> yeah. so that people can pick, um, you know, the, the ones that they want to um, order up and it'd be easy to like charge up uh, uh, to uh, yeah. say how much it costs and all that sort of stuff it's yeah. a great idea I really like it yeah, yeah. so we've got maybe 10-15 minutes left now and um, yeah. through this conversation you have briefly kind of mentioned something else that you've done in the past uh, which is the print handbook That's right. and um, I read that was something that you did uh, 10 years ago yeah. um, and you got two version and it runs through the newest print techniques for uh, lithio and digital yeah um, I know that this is an audio podcast so it's hard to show things but would you mind yeah maybe telling us a little bit more about what those books are but also sharing some of those techniques that are in those books as well because that's not something i've ever discussed on this podcast yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so there are like you say there's two books um one that's uh kind of showcases traditional offset or litho printing it's called different things but it's the most common kind of commercial printing and then the other book is a more recent edition which focuses on uh digital printing um, which is very good at low quantities um, mm -hmm. and has some interesting technologies in. The books kind of have two focuses. One is to um, to show designers how to get the results they want. So there is a big color chart in, in there. So you can pick a color. If you're just looking for one color, that's possible. Um, so you can do that. Um, but also what colors look like on different sorts of paper. So stuff like that is in the book, but then also, like you, like you said, it explores some of the things that you might not think to do, um, mm -hmm. that the technology offers, um, that maybe you weren't taught about when you studied design or as you've kind of developed as a designer. So that's, that's kind of, the books have those kind of focuses, um, so in terms of a couple of techniques that I'd say are really interesting and that maybe don't get used as much as I think they should do, in terms of the offset or litho printing, although this actually applies to digital as well, there's a way of um, saving files um, as one color bitmaps. Now, this I know this is getting a bit technical, but ultimately... They're images, you can save them out in Photoshop and they are, and pixels are basically black or they're white and there's no gray, no color, mm -hmm. they're black or white. And so you'd think that's, that's an awful idea. There's no, nothing in that. But what's possible with those is you can save files like that for, for print 
at like 1200 dpi sometimes higher so they're super super detailed so that means that if you if you're trying to replicate someone's drawing like a black and white line drawing you can just get phenomenal detail in the drawing so just just the finest of lines can be replicated and when you see it you go I, yeah I didn't realize that most of the time it's not like that but you can create this really lovely detailed it comes out like a vector because it right. looks so detailed um and so I that's a really interesting that I think I've explored in in one of the books the other the other thing that I think is worth knowing about is um is with digital printing and like I said, digital printing is for lower quantities of uh, kind of printed items. Um, and it doesn't use printing plates. So that ultimately means that each item or each page, for example, can be completely different to the previous one because it it generates kind of the image each time. So that means that you can create uh, bespoke things where maybe you're using a customer's name and you're dropping that in but you can also do nice creative things so the cover of the digital print handbook each one so i have 5000 of those printed each one is unique so each one is numbered 1 to 5000 and uses the number as a pattern so it kind of if you imagine 27 and then it's like duplicated and rotated it kind of creates this nice kind of interlocking shape and then that's replicated across the whole cover but each number for each book is different so the pattern changes each time now it did mean creating 5000 pdfs <laughs> but it means that everyone is unique and so every person who receives a print handbook like that it has a completely unique one and they look like I mean, I loved kind of digging through the boxes of them and going, oh, look, that one's turned out really nice and that one's like a completely different style. So you can do some really clever things like that um, and and illustrate. So those covers were created in Illustrator and Illustrator has the ability to, to, to work with. So basically I linked up Illustrator with a spreadsheet and there's a variables panel and it outputs all these PDFs. Um, so with a little bit of kind of getting your head into it, you can create some really clever, clever things. Mm -hmm. They sound really useful. And I know it, one of the reasons why I wanted to mention it is because um, it's one of the kind of extra bonus things on the uh, Kickstarter mm -hmm. you had. And um, uh, I kind of regret not getting one of everything because <laughs> they sound like they would be really uh useful uh little books because i i do have um f there there was uh, about five years of my career when i first started out where i did mostly print-based stuff so yeah. we did some really uh interesting things but that was like over 10 years ago and yeah. i know that things change and uh i would probably benefit from uh reading those so i might go on uh your website and uh order up a couple of those sure. myself yeah, but yeah. uh what i'll do in the show notes for this episode i'll link to those as well for anyone that wants to uh go and check them out they're they're relatively cheap i think they were 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were like nine pounds yeah, each. That's right. Yeah. 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 They're relatively cheap and you've added them on, uh, on the Kickstarter as well for anyone that's listening to this now, whilst the campaign's still yeah. open, uh, you can get those, uh, as part of that as well. So I'm going to fire one last question at you. And this sure. is kind of the, the last one to wrap things up. And it's a little bit of a fun one. So imagine if you strapped up and you got inside the time machine and you could go back to any point in your career. It could have been last week. It could have been when you were a kid. Yeah. But if you could go back just for a short moment and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that advice be? Okay. So I, I think... Uh, the one piece of advice I'd give myself would I'd, I'd probably go back to when I just finished university and I had my first design job and I had I was working for a charity and they were producing uh, literature for HIV and AIDS education in Africa so really great charity doing fantastic stuff and I was uh, one of their in-house designers and I designed some pull-up banners for an event and I think there were maybe 10 pull-up banners and it was to do with biz uh, small businesses in Africa and so at the top of each banner was the word entrepreneur and so my thing would be to go back in time and tell myself to spell check <laughs> those banners because i had spelled entrepreneur wrong and it was oh. about 300 like 300 point size text and they'd all got printed and it was only when they all got printed that we realized i'd spelt it wrong and oh. and so i would go back and say you need to spell check that and make sure that's right but <laughs> but but ultimately probably if I hadn't have made that mistake, uh, I would have made a, I would have made a mistake at another point where I hadn't spelled check something, because oh yeah, definitely because when you make a mistake like that, you totally learn from it. Because I felt oh yeah, so yeah, bad. yeah, I felt so I, bad. <laughs> I remember the first um, piece of like proper printed artwork I did. It wasn't a spelling mistake, but there was a slight error with the artwork, and this was. Uh, when I was working in Quark Express. So to be fair yeah. to me, it didn't, uh, the, the, the preview wasn't high resolution, so oh, you yeah. couldn't see all of the artwork. But if I opened it up in Photoshop, there was this tiny little shape in there. And uh, every time I see that leaflet, <laughs> it bugs the hell out of me today. That there is yeah. this kind of like little uh, three millimeter little uh, bit. So proofread your work. Uh, check over it properly and I totally understand why with these cards you want to check every single color yeah. like 10 times just just so that you don't accidentally yeah. um, you know have a pink card that has like blue color yeah. <laughs> color codes on absolutely yeah and also the, the, the thing is if you're a new designer you'll hear this and go ah no I'll be fine and then you'll make a mistake and then you'll learn anyway so it's fine <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Every time I've got something printed, uh, where in, in one of my uh, early jobs, we used to do these really thick brochures. Yeah. And um, because it was an in-house team, you'd get like, uh, I'd proofread it. You get your manager to proofread it. Yeah. You get uh, someone else to proofread it. We we even had some of the bigger, like uh, uh, really thick, chunky 
catalogs checked over by the everyone in the office and we did like a competition for anyone that could find a spelling mistake wow. but the moment they get printed <laughs> and someone looks at it in a different way yeah. we've actually done that you know had every single person check it yeah. someone opened it up the first space they found they found a mistake oh, so wow. you have to really check over everything it's, and yeah. uh, take responsibility for uh, using spell check and just read everything. I like I I read everything backwards now. So oh, when I'm you? really spell checking, I will read every individual word backwards no way. because I I skip over words because I think they're correct and actually yeah. it's the 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 smaller ones that you don't think are going to be uh, wrong that are actually wrong. So yeah, um, yeah, take that extra precaution. Yeah, yeah. Well, Andy, this has been fantastic. Thank you for sharing your uh, Kickstarter journey with us. Hopefully it might have inspired someone that's listening to uh, create a product of their own that solves a uh, problem for someone else. And I also think it's uh, um, when you're a graphic designer, it's good to look at uh, alternative revenue streams. So hopefully, you know, it sparked uh, someone's imagination. Yeah. And uh, of course, I wish you all the best of luck with the campaign. Uh, as the, at the time of recording this, you're only like a week or two into the actual campaign. So I hope it all goes well and hope the uh, final launch and release of the product actually goes very well. So thanks so much for uh, coming on and sharing that with us. And thank you so much for having me. And uh, I now would encourage anyone to, who's thinking about doing a Kickstarter campaign? Give it a go because uh, it's um, it's a learning experience, and I, and I think that's great. But thank you very much for having me. Um, it's been great. Hopefully, this interview with Andy has inspired you to maybe create a Kickstarter project of your own. If so, do let me know. I'd absolutely love to hear what ideas you have in mind. And Andy, thank you again for being part of the Logo Geek podcast. If you want to learn more about Andy Brown and to check out Swatchos and the print handbooks discussed in this episode, make sure to check out the show notes, which you can find by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash 102. And that's where you also find links to Andy's website, social profiles, and a transcription of this interview too. And if you want to speak about anything discussed in this interview or anything about logo design in general with me and over 10,000 logo designers from around the world, make sure that you're part of the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to be part of that and it is the absolute best place in the entire world to really geek out about logo design. So to find that, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community. So that is it for this week, but I'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.